and we'll risk it all to try to stand out from the herd. It's the Cinema 9 Podcast with your host, Eric Brandstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you right now. Welcome in. It's the Cinema 9 Podcast. You are now available to speak to us. In fact, you can speak to us whenever you want, but uh, actually we're available to speak. But it's two guys this week again. Eric, still on hiatus. He's not far away, though. He's probably listening. Eric, if you're listening, we miss you. Right, Travis? Hi, Eric. We miss you. Oh, see, see how sweet that is? Oh. Today we're doing the movie. It's called 2046, 2046, and it was selected by today's guest, who is our friend first, a man we've known for many generations. Nah, well, that's not true. <laughs> not generations. Uh, we've known him for a couple decades. I mean, maybe one generation. Maybe, 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 maybe incarnation. <laughs> yeah, who could say for sure? Either way, he's also my co-host on the Is It Safe podcast, which is a lot of fun. If you're looking for a show where you can just talk about anything at any given time, where people tell it like it is, we cut out the bullshit and we tell it like it is. Finally, uh, we get real. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's true. There's a lot of bullshit. Ah, my buddy, Travis's buddy, everyone's buddy, it's Steve. Welcome to the show, Steve. Long overdue for this debut on the Cinema 9 podcast. And you now you got some new internet speed. It's pretty exciting. Ooh, yeah, I'm fucking stoked. I'm stoked to be here. Glad to He's have you. He's double stoked. Yeah. Did you get that, yeah, Travis? I, I, I caught that. I heard it with my ears. <laughs> Side in his own blood. All right, well, we're going to talk about 2046. Stoked two times. Stoke me two times, stoke me three times. Who cares? Who gives a shit? It's going to be a lot of fun when we talk about that movie. And boy, I got a lot to say about that film. So I can't wait to talk about that. But, you know, Steve, what's been going on in your world lately? Anything you want to share with us about society or your own personal life? Like your social no. security number? <laughs> None of that. But uh, I would uh, love to share some uh, quarantine pics. Let's hear them. Oh! Got him. Yeah, so well, you know, the quarantine picks for me. All right. See, he's very he's very motivated by the quarantine viewing picks, which is something we've done since we started the show in April 2020. And I, you inspired me, Steve. I'm happy to do that again. And uh, you want to lead off, or do you want sure. Travis to go first? No, no, by all means, the guest. Wow. So uh, I'm all caught up on Succession. It's uh, like Armando Iannucci for dummies. <laughs> who's no that? Who's Armando Iannucci? Uh, he did uh, the movies In the Loop, uh, Death of Stalin. Uh, he was the oh. showrunner for Veep. I think he wrote most of yeah. it. Death of Stalin was hilarious. It is. Yeah, it's all fucking funny. Hmm. So yeah, it's a uh, it's like filling that little void for me. <laughs> uh, I watched uh, a bunch of YouTube in the morning. Like uh, I'll I'll watch like PBS nerd shit, like a show called Eons about like Earth science and. A show called Space Time about physics. Miss Wood Hoskins there? Uh, oh, yeah. Always. In that wolf costume she wore that one year. Who could forget? <laughs> we were just ruthlessly ripping on her because we thought she was a student. And then she pulled off the, the wolf helmet to, like, reveal, hey, I'm your fucking teacher, assholes. I, like, got in her face oh, and yeah. was, like, yelling, like, you're a dumb motherfucker. You're, this is overkill. And she's like, okay. <laughs> That was great. I had it coming. Wow. So, yeah, then I watched uh, a movie called Coherence. Oh, it was uh, so 20, good. 2014. 
it's like for some reason a comet going near the earth causes cop grass syndrome for like <laughs> the entire cast just just roll with so it it's, it's a MacGuffin. yeah it's it's a real MacGuffin. there's like this just fucking feckless effort at like uh giving it something of a scientific basis by like having a letter a letter read by uh like i guess a guy who's off screen's brother or something who's a physicist <laughs> he's like yeah you know Weird, weird quantum shit happens when comics go by. Uh, like, oh, no, yeah. that's true. It maybe would have been a stronger movie if they hadn't bothered to explain that aspect of it. But I, I, I really definitely it, personally, I, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good, and it was also, I think they made it on like fifty thousand dollars or something. Yeah, and wow. uh, it, it looked like a pilot project to me. Like it didn't look like it was, you know, exactly blocked like they wanted to have it blocked, and like they didn't really have the effects that uh, would have really brought it home, but. Uh, it was real good. So I, I hope he gets a remake. And if you're into you... Cop Syndrome, got to read the, the novel The Echo Maker by Richard Bowers. It's amazing. Okay. Richard Bowers. Make you wonder if he even had socks in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you, Steve, because you're a really yeah. the guide. I've been saving this question for a long time. Yeah. It seems that, you know, quantum physics... Quantum mechanics, a lot of quantum everywhere in movies over the last ten years. It's everywhere in mainstream, very mainstream movies. And how much does that annoy you? Because it's probably done just so stupidly. I mean, Interstellar. I think Interstellar was all right, right? Yeah, I went on a rant about it on my first appearance as a guest on Is It Safe? Oh yeah, that's Luke right. Said it was trash, and I had to correct him. Good man. Yeah, okay, now I remember that. That's right. But yeah. a lot of multiverse shit everywhere now, and I know it's just for fun. So, but it does bother me a little bit. It seems like it's got a little out of control. I'm just curious what you think. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally fine suspending disbelief or whatever it is. So like, I can just do that. Or like, but if they get it right, then it's really fun when when the physics are actually genuine. Personally, and that's I mean, two percent of the time. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, there, there's some things where, like, if it's a major plot point, this just can't fucking happen, or, like, I can tell they got it wrong and thought they got it right, then that's annoying. Then it's harder to suspend disbelief, but uh, if it's just like, hey, it's quantum mania, and you can shrink down, and don't worry, you can still breathe the massive oxygen molecules now, or whatever. <laughs> like... I, can, I can roll with that very fine, personally, but do you remember that Jeff yeah. movie, The One? Uh, barely. Right? Like, it was trash. It was not good. But I remember, like, when it, it came out. That was the one that had uh, Aaliyah in it? Uh, I can't remember that. But he had to, like, kill multiple versions of himself because, like, the, that was, like, the first time I saw the multiverse. Oh, no. That's a different one. It was, like, the first time I saw the multiverse on film. And I was like, I like this movie simply for finally, like, because it was, like, I'd always wanted to see, like, that in film. So for something like that to become a, a common trope to me is kind of cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Then uh, the last one I wanted to talk about is uh, I saw the new Evil Dead Rise. You see that, Travis? I have not. Oh, it's badass. I will definitely see it, but I wasn't going to go to theaters personally for that one. Um, oh, yeah, you know, I don't. Go, it takes a lot for me to get to theaters, but uh, I will see it for sure. Yeah, it, I mean, it jumps right in too. It's like uh, instead, like I feel like every horror movie these days starts out with like thirty minutes of dramatic swooping angles of future victims. <laughs> choosing snacks in a gas station at Lake Spook. <laughs> so, 
So I, I like the, the way this one starts. Let's just say it's a it's a very well done homage to the original. I really liked the reboot in what was it, 2013 or 12 or whatever it was, the last Evil Dead. I thought they did a good job with that. So I was, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, and then uh, also the best title cards I've ever seen in a movie, mm. especially the the one at the beginning. It's so fucking sweet. Is it wow. more or less intense than the opening credits to 2046? <laughs> it is far more intense. That's impressive. Wow. I am amazed. I don't know that I can handle it. <laughs> so yeah, well, what have you guys been watching lately? What you what you did? What, what, what you, you did? Oh well, Travis. You know we're doing a show on a Thursday for the second straight week. Mm. Oh. We are That's pretty amazing, right? I, I love to praise me- mediocrity. That's what I always tell my students when they come in. They're like, hey, I was on time today. I'm like, we don't celebrate that. I watched one movie this week. I watched lots of Brooklyn Nine-Nine still. Um, but I only watched one movie. I watched Air, you know, the, the, the oh, movie about a oh, yeah. It's a really good movie. I watched it a couple of weeks ago. What'd you think? I was engrossed in it mm-hmm. and it was it was solid it was you know it's not incredible it's but for me it's highly i'd like you know sports junkie so i thought it was interesting you know i don't give a fuck about sports but i found it very, right. very interesting as well i mean I, you know i found it cool like to it's, it's just a different kind of movie you know it, it really did change a lot the shoe and um i liked learning the shoe's backstory what made it what motivated the shoe what you know like i i cared about the shoe it's a really really compelling shoe <laughs> the shoe movie about a shoe me and travis we're not shoe we're not shoe free. i don't think anyone on the show is a shoe freak so. no no i'm definitely not but if you are stay tuned for 2046 <laughs> 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 that's, that's, I mean, like when I, I remember when i saw in, uh what something in theaters i saw a preview for air and like somebody yelled at the theater like in the movie <laughs> It's a movie about a shoe, and everybody started laughing. So I'm never going to think about it anything other than that. <laughs> um, I don't think this ruins the movie. It's not a spoiler at all. But, dude, soundtrack. Two. I mean, oh. yeah. Right? Good God, going? man! They went. Soundtrack's incredible. Well, it's like it reminded me of fucking the first Suicide Squad, where it was like, Jesus, how much money? How many of songs from pop culture are you going to have in this fucking movie? It was pretty impressive, and and they often, I mean, it was they were not just like good songs from the era; they were really very choice, like very deliberately chosen, right? Like it was some were, good songs in there, yeah. And they always like reflected what was happening in the movie and stuff. Like it was always like there was some lyric or something. I mean, it was just really well done. That's true, yeah. But I still was like it. It did come on as a bit much to me. There's some good music in there, of course, but I'm like, good God, what the fuck, man? Lot of pop culture shit in that movie. It's almost like pop culture, the movie, borderline, <laughs> borderline of a Wikipedia type, like the, you know, the 2015 NWA movie was, you know, Wikipedia, the movie. That's that's probably why I loved it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's very pop culture centric. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm not against it. I'm just making it stood out to me a lot, so I want to mention it. So. But yeah, that's it. But uh, it's cool to see Damon and Affleck in a movie together again. And Fuck yeah! Although as, as a large man, 
repeatedly referring to Matt Damon as fat. I'm like looking at him like that's that's not a fat man. Quit calling that man fat. <laughs> it doesn't that doesn't help my but doesn't help my situation. <laughs> Damn right. Yeah, I'm with you there. He like clearly yeah, just had a couple pizzas for a couple weeks a day or what you know, like I mean it was like very it was not like normal weight. It wasn't lived in weight. He was gonna lose that next week. <laughs> um Okay, so I had a, I couldn't believe I don't know what happened to me. I don't know. I keep having these reality checks over the last six months of things that I I was like, oh my god, like I know everything about that movie, or like I've listened to that song eighty billion times, and I think I I've removed myself from some of these things that were staples in earlier part of my life, which both of you guys would have been around for, and I'm realizing like, whoa, what the fuck? What happened to me? Because I was on Netflix and you know Heat was on Netflix now, so there's no way I can't watch it. I'm not even kidding. I watched it twice. I don't. I just cannot turn that fucking movie off. Nice. I can't. Nice. Cannot do it. It's incredible. It's so. You got your head all the way up. <laughs> I love how his eyes pop in that. That's the best part about that that I recognize. Like, <laughs> I love that Azaria, it's really intense. Azaria looks like he's trying not to burst out laughing. <laughs> his, his look at Pacino afterwards that they got on tape yeah. is like, he can't believe it. He got through the laugh and then he's like stunned. He was truly stunned. I believe, I believe it. it too. Oh, funny. Great movie. So I watched Heat and then I, sometimes I'll click the, more like this button on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I clicked it on heat. And then fucking traffic came up. I love tra traffic was like one of my all time favorite movies. I remember you I saw that movie in the theater yeah. with Brandon that year. It, it came out. I remember it came out right at the new year of from 2000 into 01. And I, I would, couldn't wait to see it. I remember, you know, Steve, you were up in that uh, apartment with me and I'm sure we, I was talking oh, yeah. about, Oh, I can't wait to go see traffic. And I did go see it and I loved that movie and I watched the shit out of it for years, but you know, I hadn't seen it in a really long time and I'd actually forgotten about it. I was like, Oh my God, traffic. Of course. It was just a weird moment. It was an odd moment in my brain that felt strange, but movie's so good. Yeah. We, we watched it probably like another thousand times. It like when it, whenever I come over, it'd just be on. Yeah, it became the definition of like why Soderbergh was one of my more preferred directors. Like that was, I mean, he's had made a lot of good movies and he's made some so-so stuff, but the way I thought it, it's a great example of where when you're trying to use filters without making it look dumb or stupid, it really, to set the tone of the different environments with the blues in Ohio, I really love it. I love that. Mexico was so yellow? white and hot. Yeah, yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yellow. It, it, it's the, I mean, that was the movie that, I mean, like there's a whole cliche now about Mexico film, Mexico is filmed yeah. in yellow and Detroit's filmed in blue. Like we've always kind of made it. Right, but shows. he did it first. That's my point. Yeah. We have but you don't need to keep doing it. You don't need to keep doing yeah. it. So I mean, yeah. that's not his, it's fault. Not, it's not his but fault. But you're right. That's fair. It's not his fault. No, you're right. It, you know, it set a trend that yeah. I'm not crazy about. But but no, I, yeah, do, I appreciate the movie. Don't get me wrong. Yep. Sicario. Yeah, right. Sicario. Yeah. Love it. Ooh. Both of them. First one better. Yeah, yep. that's a good one. But also, a lot of, a lot of yellow and blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, today was a good day because I didn't have to eat out of a dumpster. There you go. That's a great line from that movie. So, uh, I'm yeah. a cowboy. I'm looking for something heavy. <laughs> I love how he huffs in when he gets when he shoots him at the hotel in the end. And <laughs> you just hear him like sucking wind. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Wayne Grove. I mean, he's funny, but fuck that oh, guy. Yeah, fuck so. him to death. 
Uh, got literally air holed. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, so that was fun to see that movie. God, it's a great film. All right, uh, I'll leave it there. And then we will continue forth because we got some emails we got to knock out real quick, which is nice to get some emails. Cinemanidepod at gmail.com. I think that's the email address. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. As far as I know. It is. Word Royal Campfire is. All right, so this one's from Dave Horning. It says, it's time. I have heard y'all talk about Freddy Got Fingered on multiple occasions. <laughs> oh, boy. And if I recall correctly dismissed it outright as a potential episode subject well i'm sure eric did i mean uh wait a minute right there eric proposed having that be our special three-year anniversary movie and you said i quote i think this is a who cares situation that's, yeah <laughs> that's true i absolutely did that yeah so we didn't do it but i still am a proponent it. of you doing the movie but i didn't feel it didn't feel right for that one because it's a who cares situation yeah okay. that makes sense well, i'm just saying we could you don't blame eric because we could have done it well, facts are facts. That's true. Uh, as a potential episode your, subject, uh, the... your drinking glass is uh, showing. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> the green screen of Palazzo podcast yeah. in the background. <laughs> oh, cool! Oh, look at that. Wee. Wee. Oh, there's the Major League Baseball scenario. Look at that. That's fun. Oh, I'll turn my green screen off now. There we go. You drinking ecto cooler? Oh, just a, oh, what the fuck? Oh, I no, it's green screen. Oh, what have I done what in this life? Do? Who am it's I? Hilarious. I don't even know how to do a show. Ah! Here we go. Okay, I'm back. Hello. See, just a mason jar. Uh, there you what, go. what are you drinking? All right. Uh, it's green, literally. It's water? Why is it green? Oh, the mason jar is green. I see. I see. Yeah, I don't, From I don't know why mama's it is. Mason jar. Mama's mason jar. Uh, the fact in itself is one that should be an indicator that you need to do it as an episode, L. Dave Arino. P.S. In Bansom's absence, I'd be glad to talk about this movie, but I'm sure you have a bunch of other more well-qualified individuals to attack this subject matter. So he's like promoting himself to want to come on the show, but then he's trying to like dumb himself down. It doesn't make that doesn't sound like the Dave I know at all. He's perfectly qualified, and he knows it. That's why he offered, but he doesn't want to. But he's like doesn't want to be. He's trying not to be presumptuous. Yeah, but uh, anyone that's friend a friend of ours, be presumptuous. You are welcome on the show. Yeah, that, maybe that's a great idea. Dave Horning for the Freddy Got Figured show. I'm down. Uh, he's a 20, as long as he's a 28-year-old man. Huh? He can eat a chicken sandwich. Oh, yeah. As long as he's a 28-year-old man, so he can eat a chicken sandwich. Eat that goddamn roast beef. You can go to bed. Go to bed. Go to bed. Chad Gibbons writes the show. Hey, Chad. Chad Gibbons, former co-host of the Best Film Podcast. Yeah. 2046. 2046 is the title, so he's familiar with this. Hey, bozos, it's been a minute since I sent an email. I got to say I love quarantine viewing pics. Oh, wow, right. another vote. Look at that. Mm. All right, people did miss it after all. All right. That's, that's, God, it's amazing. I actually had this explosive thought in my head when I was driving to work this week. I'm like, does anyone listen? Do you people care at all? Are you out there? I wanted to say it like that, so I'm saying it like that now, so I got it out of my head. So. Fucking Nonstop. network situation. <laughs> That's right. We got pet. Ah, <laughs> God damn it. I've taken tons of movie recommendations based on what you guys say during that segment. My vote is to keep it. That's a... All right, Chad, thanks. Looking forward to the Guile episode, which we're doing right now. I haven't seen 2046 since it came out, but I remember thinking at the time that watching the first two films in the trilogy was essential. How was the yep. experience jumping up. right into the last movie? 
Yeah, sorry for uh, being like, hey, let's watch Star Wars, and we're going to start with Jedi. <laughs> oh. I, 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 I was like, okay. I, I, I didn't know that when you said that, because I'd never heard of this movie, but I did a little light research, and I'd heard of In the Mood for Love, of course, but I, I, I what's the other one? Days of Being Wild. Yeah, I think I may have heard of that, but I'm not sure. But I was like, I have never seen either of them, but uh, I jumped. I jumped. The only line, thing you're so. missing is a little bit of pathos for why uh, Cow is such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe I would have been more All forgiving right, well, towards him. Yeah, that, well, if wow. I remember correctly. But I'm yeah, just... uh, definitely. If if anyone's listening to this hasn't seen it, uh, definitely watch Days of Being Wild in the mood for love and then 2046 <laughs> uh, i'll finish the email so chad says i haven't seen 2046 as it came out but i remember at the time being a, it was watching the first two films in the trilogy was essential how was the experience jumping right into the last movie in the mood for love is my favorite by a long shot charred gerbons gerbons gibbon gibbon charred gerbons badass gibbons yep. got many names <laughs> He has a lot of names. Yeah, wow. You, you start to think about that. <laughs> um. Well, shit, man. I did some post. Uh, I mean, we can switch gears now into the... We're going to start talking about 2046. Yay. We mentioned, and Chad made a very good point that it's part of a trilogy. And I didn't know that until I looked around afterwards. And But again, I didn't know how much of an impact. But if it was like a... Because I read that it was more of a unofficial trilogy. That's at least yeah, what I read. So. I think Wong Kar Wai says, like, he just refers to him as his 60s movies about Hong Kong. Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, that makes sense. And, and maybe, like, some people would call it, like, a spiritual successor or something like that. But, uh, yeah. You do have a continuation of a, kind of, a of a character, like, the same actor, the same yeah. character. So that feels somewhat pertinent, especially in a character-driven, like, a, you know, like, it's a, for this, the the stories are not as important as the characters I feel like in this movie yeah and it's uh, also funny that uh, there's Maggie Chung is uh, I think that's gotta be like leftover footage from uh, In the Mood for Love <laughs> her scene in 2046 <laughs> really? yeah because uh, Lee Gong plays Su Lee Jin <laughs> okay so uh, maybe right. she just wasn't available <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was busy, you know. So why don't we uh, give this to you to open it up? You know, we usually like to ask, do you remember the first time you watched this movie? So I, I had not seen it. Travis had not seen it. So Steve, take us back in time. Where was it? What the hell was going on? Uh, I was in Cincinnati. We had uh, oh. an amazing public library system there where there was the main library downtown, and they would just deliver anything you wanted to a satellite library. And I would go every weekend and get books and movies, and uh, I went down like a, just the Wong Kar White. Like I saw, I can't remember what the first one I saw was. Uh, half, uh, it was Ashes of Time, I think. And then I was like, oh, I fucking love this. I got to watch everything this guy did. And so I went, I went and uh, read it or borrowed uh, Happy Together, like. I want to say six weeks in a row because <laughs> I had to travel a lot for work back then. I just kept writing it every week or borrowing it. And uh, <laughs> like the, I started to get looks from the librarians. And then the last time I went in there, I went in with my girlfriend and brought Happy, happy Together back home. But uh, 
the the clerk at the library was looking at uh, my girlfriend like, oh, honey, you don't know. Because Happy Together is the gayest movie you will ever see. <laughs> it oh. is gay and proud, and I love that fucking movie. It's so good. But uh, I must have just looked like I was obsessed with, like, <laughs> <laughs> gay Tony Leung. <laughs> So yeah, it was during that it was during that streak of uh, just watch everything Wong Kar Wai, and I did watch them in order. <laughs> All right, well, this is this is my first of his. I had not seen any of his stuff. I've heard of I've heard of Happy Together and heard of In the Mood for Love. I don't think I'd heard of anything else though. I uh, did The Grand Master, which I think is still on Netflix, but it was not like his other films really. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I didn't see that one. It's a it's a martial arts film, which is funny because of the. Uh, why don't you write a martial arts book? No. Twenty forty six. Oh yeah. I yeah I kind of with Iron Abacus. Iron Head. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this was my first watch too. I'd never seen the film, and I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know shit. It was a whole new experience for me, and I watched it not knowing that it was part of a trilogy at the time. So I just watched the movie and took it in as it was. But we got to guess the IMDb rating on this bastard. So it's a part of a somewhat of a trilogy. There's a lot of, I think it's fair to say, there's a reputation here of a very well-respected director doing some quality work. So this has to be, I say it's probably a, God, I, I feel out of my depth here for sure, but. <laughs> Same. A seven something at least probably, I don't know, seven two. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say seven four. I mean, it may be higher, but it's 2004 and I feel like. If it, was, if it was newer but the man the uh the critics reviews that i read for this was like this movie sucked my soul out of my body kind of stuff it's just like they're it's all very intense the uh reviews that i read like this is the greatest movie of all time oh yeah yeah i read one well, like th- that as well i think uh the the niche sort of aspect of it like uh for any of these movies like if they're more obscure and it has an imdb rating i think it's going to be naturally inflated because mm-hmm it's a self-selecting group of people Good that point. actually took the time to see it and then rate it. So, it, and most of those people, if they're looking for something like that, they're probably going to like it. So, and I already had the rating spoiled for me because it, on the service I used to download the thing, uh, it showed the IMDB rating prominently wow. next to the title. Yes, that's a, oh, you, have to, you, have to, you have to train yourself to not look at so that. So I already yeah. know Travis, you nailed it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You got it. Great. I, I, okay, seven seven four. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like Rick oh. Smith or uh, Victor Wembanyama. Oh, come on, man! It's too soon. Word. Oh, okay. sorry. <laughs> sorry, Pistons fans. Yeah, I'm like, Whee! these are just this is just nonsense noise to me. You're making nonsense <laughs> gibberish. Uh, hey, do you know uh, Time Lord disturbed the Jimbo Slice JoJo pick and no, roll? No, so that makes sense I to did. me. That makes sense <laughs> to me. I'm glad I can understand. <laughs> what do you What do you think it means? <laughs> oh, I, I think that someone made a sandwich. Hey, okay. 28 years we'll old. Take that. Must be 28 years <laughs> old. Sandwich. 28 year old man. Over, uh, over on Rotten Tomatoes, 86% on the thermometer, 85 from the audience. So a very tight balance of scores there, which is, uh, you know, I don't know what that says about a movie, really. It's just something to note. I don't think we really ever real put a lot of thought yeah. in that. But we do if there's a disparity, I guess. So, yeah. right? Yeah. Indeed. Uh, David Anson of Newsweek in 2018. He saw this movie in 2018. And he said that the ravaging images are tinged with regret and loss. No passion. 
can assuage the jaded hero's solitude. I'd I'd replace the word tinged with splashed. <laughs> fair. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Bill Mueller of the Arizona Republic. Bill Mueller. Not that Bill Miller from the Red Sox, but Bill Mueller. This is in 2005. So this is, you know, after the movie came out, he might have seen it a little bit more closer to the release. I don't know. Was the U.S. release... Oh, they all came simultaneously? I don't know. 0405? Because I saw a couple different dates and I didn't know. Does anyone have any information on that? Okay. I I don't. I think it came out in 2004 in uh, Hong Kong and then probably 2005 when it was uh, grabbed by Sony Pictures Classics. Sounds like There you go. Very reasonable. Bill Mueller said, Wong offers an artful meditation on the nature of love. Making effective use of color schemes. Oh, we got some color schemes. Yellows, greens, and reds. Placid shot making and diverse music to deliver a sultry portrait of post-war Hong Kong. Sultry. All right. Okay. Sultry. Uh, this this name's dumb. I like so it sounds stupid to me, but it's not that stupid. Keith Phipps, <laughs> Keith Phipps of the uh, he's from the Onion AV Club. Oh, okay, he's 2005. Keith Phipps said, as memorable and emotionally intense as any of Wong's films, it's a mood as much as a movie. That's for sure. That's dead on in the mood for love. I'm oh, in wait, the mood for a melody, melody first. in the mood for yeah, a movie. Good I've never old. Seen. <laughs> Roger Ebert reviewed this movie. I don't know. Uh, I don't, he was still alive then. Yep. It's like a sketchbook. There, these are images, tones, dialogue, and characters that Wong is sure of, and he practices them. But he does not seem very sure why he is making the movie or where it should end. He gave it a splat. This is the only splat I've read so far. Ebs. Yeah. Wow. Shocking. He's not fucking around. <laughs> he rarely is. He rarely well, is, you're right. Unless there's... Yeah. Okay, I'll leave that one. I won't say that. Okay. Uh, he's dead. Uh, I was trying to see <laughs> if maybe Destin Thompson was in on this, uh, but... Uh, that would be not... great. I feel like it's been a minute. Yeah, love some Destin. Yeah, we haven't been graced with his presence in some time. Yeah, I don't know. I say that uh... in all sincerity. There's no sarcasm there. It, it, is, a, it is a blessing. Every 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 is. visitation. To our show. Every Destin is a gift. Des- There's a lot of reviews. Oh, I got this. I, I don't have any Destins, but I can give you a Kirk Honeycutt. <laughs> from, yeah. From the Hollywood Reporter. In March of 04, Kirk Honeycutt said, The stilted dialogue and a mostly stagnant story line gum. Oh, storyline, gum up the works. Stagnant storyline gums up the works. He gives it a splat as well. Those are really wow. the minority splats. A lot of red tomatoes otherwise. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, I mean, everything I read was very effusive. I'm almost surprised that there was splats. Okay, I don't know Kirk Honeycutt personally, but if he doesn't, I don't. Does he? If he speaks Cantonese or Mandarin or Japanese, I don't know. So how would he know the dialogue is so stilted though? Like, wouldn't it be kind of an unfair comment to make just because because you, you're getting it in English, or is that ridiculous? Because I feel like. Seems like a guy that's like, ah, this uh, dialogue is stilted, but you're not getting every nuance, right, Steve? Like, if you're going to watch this in English, if you don't understand those languages? Uh, I, th- I don't think the dialogue's stilted at all. Uh, I think some of the narration is, but uh, the the dialogue is dynamic and 
uh, emotive. I think it depends on the scene. I think that there are there are I think there are lines in this movie that I was like, oh, I'm scribbling that down. Like that's incredibly like thoughtful and intense. And then there's other lines where I'm like, okay, like let's <laughs> keep it moving. Like it's just just words now. I mean, at least it's not someone sitting on a bed drinking a glass in slow motion or like eating in slow motion. So because there's a lot of that, <laughs> a lot of a lot of a dude sitting <laughs> on a bed eating in slow motion. I got a tagline for this movie. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> Cigarette drag the movie. <laughs> I just I just kept laughing about that for the next hour. I couldn't stop laughing about it. <laughs> but all right, so let me for me, you know, I did know I didn't know it was part of us other worlds and I uh, just took it as it was. And man, I was just really confused a lot. I really was. I really was I was totally focused on this thing. But I was so confused about what was happening. And I admit that freely. I'm not going to lie about it. I I didn't... It was like, initially, he could go back in time through this train, but, like, nobody could ever come back. But he's the guy who came back. But then that ends up being a story he wrote. But um, there was this girl that he was with initially, but then it didn't work out. And then like this other girl in this apartment, 2046 or this hotel room is, has this Japanese boyfriend, but her father who runs the hotel hates this guy. But then, so then that woman, there was some other woman that left before she had lost this boyfriend. And I really got jumbled there. I, I was clear on the, this relationship between the writer and this woman who resist? They resisted. They resisted, and then they finally gave in, and then it was ten bucks a hit. I got that. So, but I think I, I feel like I missed a lot of stuff here. I really do, and I'm just going to be honest about it. Appreciate that honesty. Um, yeah, I I kind of felt similarly. I, I felt similarly. The movie starts, and it's like there's in the future. In the year 2046, there's a vast network of trains that connects the globe, and I'm like, I am all in. You got you got me a movie here about mass transit, global mass transit. I'm on fucking board. I'm very excited. Burn all the cars. And that ended up not really being a thing as much as I thought it was going to be. And and then I get really muddled for a while. And I'm like, what is happening? Right. Um, just kind of plowing through these um, dalliances with these different women, I guess. Um, but and then I, and then we get to um, Zhang Zi, who is to me made the entire movie um you know th- who played you know uh, I don't, uh, what's her name by bo or i forget her name by ling by ling by yeah um yeah. I, I to me well i mean don't get me wrong tony leong is is who <laughs> can fucking act um but she really like that's when i got sucked into the movie finally i was like okay this first like 40 minutes i don't know what the fuck all this was about Cut this <laughs> shit and get to the point because this is when the movie really started for me yeah, and Biling, uh, I think, outdoes uh, Audrey Hepburn and her own Holly Golightly. Like, she is amazing. I'm in love. In yeah. yeah, how could you not right. be? I mean, I loved her before so, this movie, like in Rush Hour Three same. and shit. But like, but um, never. <laughs> Memoirs of a Geisha. I actually never seen that. I read the book, but I never actually saw the movie. I should. I'm going to watch it now. Um, after seeing her in this, because I'm like, man, I really have been sleeping on her in a way. Like, I, she should be a familiar face to the United States viewing audience. Is all I'm saying. I'm just yeah, making. She that had point. that 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 spell in the early 2000s where she was kind of really active, and I feel like bring her back because clearly, she's a fucking hell of an actress. Yes, I would. Yeah, I would agree with that. She 
I really was focused in on that. She she really did mesmerize me. I have to be honest. And yes, I also found her attractive. I'm not going to lie, well, but yeah. it was all of it. The way that she she used all of the tools she had as an actress here to like maximize that character, which is which frankly there in a, I think in a different actress's hands there might not be as much going on with the character, but she really gets everything out of this. And maybe that's maybe. a cliche line to say yeah. about hey, my review but i really felt that way i think I did. it's a really good point yeah. actually go ahead Steve. And, and you needed that from the way it was shot like uh there's always an obstructed view like which creates negative space on the screen which you know focuses you in even tighter on the actors and actresses in this film and if they don't deliver like as hard as they deliver it is going to fall completely flat because you're going to be like there's just like a blur on half the screen and then this idiot over here but <laughs> <laughs> instead like uh, it draws you in closer to like what they're feeling most of the time for me um there there okay. were definitely times for me where i was like i mean there there were some performances that really drew me in and then there, there are other times where i'm like okay this is this is the very definition of melodrama <laughs> okay. fair um, I, I uh, boy, I, I I like that guy. Yeah, was that his partner? The guy who worked with him was the other writer, the ball guy. It was the time. It was his boss. Yeah, oh, it was Ping. his boss. Ping. Okay, that's right. Ping. Um, he was funny, but like, do I need to know? Does it matter in this film to understand what was going on in Hong Kong at the time, Steve? Because I was curious about that. Well, definitely, as far as uh, why. Uh, the hotel owner hated the Japanese. Yeah, right. But that's but you know that. Yeah, like uh, the rape of non king. Right. Yeah. Oh well, I yeah I I well I didn't actually know that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, during World War forgot. II and before that, um, the Japanese committed a lot of atrocities around the area that still oh. kind of resonate in those cultures. Oh, I thought you said it was a rape of one person. I'm sorry. The, the city, oh, no, no, the, the city, Nanjing. Oh, yeah. okay. the, it was known as that before because the Irish Chang book. Oh. Okay, and, I and am aware was, of that. It's a new romanization of the Pinyin for the city. There's also that moment in the oh. movie where um, I don't know what character, what her name is, but she's talking about they're like in 1963 and they're talking about how rough it is in Cambodia. I'm like, oh boy, it's it's going to get a lot rougher. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to say. Mm. Yeah. Good God. Yeah, you're right about that. But I, but then I also thought about uh, this. Well, what Hong Kong represents, right? It's supposed to be this special, unique place, right? So there has to be some mystique to that that somehow ties into this film. That I thought maybe I missed it or something. I don't know. I felt like maybe I missed a connection related to that. I don't think you did. I think if you're watching this, you're experiencing uh, Wong's view of Hong Kong in the '60s. Like the the three films are like mostly. Yeah, an homage to that, like the, just that era, and I think it's called 2046 because I think he intended to have this come out uh, during the uh, handover. From, that was the last uh, year. British, British protectorate or territory or whatever they called it, yeah. uh, in 1997, and they had said, you know, 50 years before that, in 50 years, there's a like Queen speech or whatever where she's like, Hong Kong will be. <laughs> Oh, oh. So there's also he he just fast forwarded another 50 years so instead of 96 97 you know it, it, it was new year's day so it was that's why they switched back and forth between 
46 and 47, and then it was 96, 97. Well, then I'm confused because this is like the weirdest Christmas movie ever. I'm like, again? We're at Christmas again? <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy shit. Okay, Christmas. Well, fuck it. Let's well, do it. Uh, I think that also has to do with uh, who was that reviewer that mentioned the, the color scheme? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, that was no, that was not Hanukkah. Yeah, there was oh, someone before that. It was, it was David Anson, I think, maybe. Guy. Oh, yeah, Phipps. <laughs> fucking Phipps. <laughs> fucking Phipps, yo. <laughs> Feef Kips. <laughs> Feef Kips. All right. Uh, <laughs> so there's, uh, there's a, like a Confucian branch of Chinese philosophy called uh, Wu Xing, and it's... Uh, uh, it's sort of like color related. It's a little bit horoscopy, a little bit zodiacy, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But it, it's uh, pervasive in the culture. And uh, I think for the longest time, uh, Mandarin didn't distinguish between green and blue. They just used the word Qing that meant verdant. Mm -hmm. uh, and so green in this m movie would represent sort of wood and uh, and water. Well, not water. Like. Uh, what would you call it? I don't know. It's hard to explain as a concept. Uh, anyway, the, and then the red would be uh, fire. So it's kind of a fire and ice situation between Bai Ling and Tony Leung. Okay. So he's the right. ice, she's the fire, she has all the passion. And he stokes her passion because wood stokes fire. And then uh, if you go back to uh, Su Li Jen, who helps him at the end of the movie, the, the black spider... She's always wearing black, and black is the color for water. And so she feeds wood. So, mm. uh, but these are all like, they're not understood as like zodiac signs, like, you know, Gemini can never date a Scorpio or anything. It's it's sort of transitive states. So you can, you can be wood and evolve mm. to fire, oh. things like that. So I think there's so much color symbolism in this movie. Like, it, oh. it's just layered, like a fucking postmodern novel. I wouldn't know that though. Yeah, I, I knew none of that. That's interesting. That really is. I wish I had because that. Oh, maybe I could watch it again and understand it better. It really is a movie that I should watch twice. I think you'll understand it better if you watch the first two movies first. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's a natural thing to assume. Like, well, of course they've seen both of those movies. They talk about Freddy got fingered all the time. Obviously, they've seen both yeah. Of yeah, come on, you've seen that. You've seen everything. Uh, also, I didn't know. I love this tidbit, and I find it fascinating. I don't know how relevant it really is, or hell, if it's even true, because I can't understand the languages. But there's multiple different languages being spoken mandarin cantonese and japanese mm -hmm. to people are talking to yeah. each other in different languages in a conversation right yeah the movie starts in japanese yeah yeah that's wild it's fascinating but you still there's still an understanding so it wouldn't even i mean we get english i got english subtitles so i'm i'm obviously understanding what's happening but i wish i could appreciate that dynamic more but i can't because i uh, yeah. I guess I I can't do that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I couldn't even. I mean, I can't differentiate between Cantonese and Mandarin. I have no idea what the fuck's going on there. I admit that freely. No clue. I didn't even didn't even occur to me that that was happening. I mean, the Japanese, I could I could tell that that was happening. You know, and they plus they talk about it, and it's more I can tell the difference between enough. You know, um, kind of makes me think of uh, Drive My Car and the whole Uncle Uncle Vanya play that he's putting on. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie with, with the actors are all speaking their own language and stuff. Anyway, mm, nope, no, I, actually, no, I've not seen that. <laughs> um, Great. I, I would like to dive into this because one thing I could really understand well is uh, 
Ling and Chow and their thing they got going on here. And, you know, unrequited love and uh, people who turn hot, turn cold and all this stuff. It, and it, I really love that part of the movie. I really did. I, I thought that the relationship here, how suddenly things can turn quickly because she's cold and like he's, he's pursuing and pursuing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's best to just be friends. Let's just be friends. We'll be drinking buddies, right? And I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to fly eventually. And it doesn't. And then things just get more complicated from there. And that's that's how it is. There's no there's no clear resolutions. There's no wrapping up the story with the moral here. It's just it's fucked up and it's frustrating and it's amazing all at once and at many different times. There there is something about that that does frustrate me though as a viewer because it's a difficult like you, you get invested in this romance and you get invested in her and you want to work for her and you're like seeing him smirk and like laughing in her face and you're like, oh, fuck this fucking guy. And like she's weeping while she's listening to him screw in the next room. And it's like, oh, this is all brutal. And then like it's all over and he's like, and I never saw her again. And she was just popped up in my in my stories. And you see her like as a marionette. And then like the end of the movie comes and you're like, no, let's do it again. Let's put her through yeah. this again and then we'll never see her again again <laughs> what again like the, it seems like some editing was lacking here to me <laughs> you know, he says he says in the uh in the second time that uh this this is for real or something <laughs> oh, like just, that I the last time i saw her and and it, you know it's he's an unreliable narrator yeah, so yeah. like and he's weaving in and out of his tale of uh you know but he's ostensibly writing for the uh, hotel owner's daughter, like uh, a way to figure out, like he, he was going to try to write from the point of view of the, the man in Japan waiting on his love. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he ended up writing about himself because of course he did. Yeah. Although I, it, I do have my favorite note that I made from this film, which is Android humping a wall. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite note: It's a smash hit with tit lovers. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was that? That just kind of was so fucking funny. I laughed out loud at that moment. I did, and I wasn't even sure why. It was just funny. It was funny to hear it. <laughs> I I got really confused. And again, after it kind of seems to end the first time, and then like this android thing happens, I really got lost after that. I got to be honest. I don't even know what the fuck happened. I'm just going to, I really, really was lost there. I felt, I basically understood the movie. I thought until a certain point, And then I just, it, which is cool because it shows me how reliant I am as a mainstream moviegoer in the United States and the way, you know, Hollywood just pumps out routine stuff i've watched a billion routine stuff films you know first act second act third act complex you know things get difficult we got to wrap it up here and it, this is not conventional storytelling so it really kind of sh- made me feel frustrated i'm like wow i really am locked in on like the run of the mill even though i shit on tropes and i'm always trying to push back against that stuff i'm still kind of locked in in the standard american style storytelling in film but by the same token if you were you know, from Hong Kong, you, maybe it would have felt like a familiar trope to have all those color schemes be like, oh, they're using these traditional color schemes again. And it's like, well, you know, possibly. <laughs> but I mean, oh. um, I, if I may take a stab at this, uh, Guy, I'll tell me if you think I'm on base or off base with the with the Android story, because that's like you said, I mean, he's he's writing as if he is the Japanese man and he's fallen in love with the uh, hotel keeper's daughter. 
And so he's writing this story as an allegory about her and like in and he views her since she won't love him back he's like viewing her as like this uh empty kind of like a shell not quite fully human person because he's used to women like throwing themselves at him i guess uh Mm -hmm. and then it you know by the end of it like he accepts that she loves another isn't that pretty much and and i love nailed it i love okay good thank you and i also love the whole bit that he's like he writes a story for her and he sends her the story and the, the message that like she's like ah oh, it's great but uh, maybe a happier ending for yourself I'm like oh. yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that was good that was good yeah yeah fantastic how about the uh, the costume design of this um smooth greasy oh, I, I think no, I'm, I'm just throwing out an adjective that didn't seem to match either. <laughs> I don't know yeah. the same person who did the costume design also edited the film that's interesting <laughs> that's interesting um, certainly like the movie starts and the production design is immediately evident like this is unique and then the, then you get the costumes in there pretty early um, I really I feel like as, as a period piece I've never been to Hong Kong. I've never been in the 1960s. I did not feel sucked into the era at all. Um, I did think that the main thing that did kind of ground me in the era were especially the women's uh, dresses and costumes and stuff. I thought that that stuff was fantastic. Very sleek, yes. very classic and and sexy and classy. Um, the Everything else was kind of, I mean, the sci-fi stuff, I, I liked okay. Um, it didn't blow me away though, or anything though. Yeah, and I think the uh, there, there's probably some of a wordplay puns too, like uh, uh, Moan uh, Chow, the the main character mm-hmm. Tony Leung. Uh, that could be read as "Don't ask." Oh, <laughs> and uh, Bai Ling could be read as "White collar," and she always says the high collar. Oh, okay. So uh, I think I think there's some definite wordplay going sure. on interesting sorry had a distraction here uh okay so where are we what's happening what else well, how about like the way that he's he's so handsy and grabby with everybody right like like yeah like we're supposed to hate that as a viewer i can only imagine that the way that he like forces the gift into her hand and forces his hand into hers and then forces his hand away from hers and kisses that woman and to the point that she bleeds my note there is is this passion um i don't think so. i think that was just her lips is that what it was i thought i thought he literally <laughs> made her bleed because it was like cause it, he like jumps her grabs her by the head like i don't know i, I literally thought it was blood it it did look like he tried to suck her entire face <laughs> off but i think that was <laughs> the face off. I, was like, I think tony leung's a shitty kisser <laughs> we we didn't kiss everyone like that. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that that was one me. reason uh, that that like he was saving up for uh, Suli Jen, who is uh, his love interest in the previous movie. Oh, that seeing it played by Maggie Chung, and that's why it's a difference. Because I come to, I'm like, this is a different, whatever the name is. I'm like, is that is there two in the movie that we saw? Because there is, right? <laughs> yep, Maggie Chung and Lee Gong. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah yeah they got the same character uh, name i'm seeing that on the imdb right here okay but he doesn't love the second one as much as the first one who gets murdered but he's not that no the, the point is he he could never go back to that time 
but that's where he wants to live. And so instead, he's living in the novel 2046. He's just on a fucking train to nowhere. Mm-hmm. See, I, I, need, oh. I need it spelled out for me like that, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sure did. Yep. I mean, I'm I'm living in that K-hole right now myself. So like this this movie resonates with me even more than it did the first Dude, time I saw you, it. You, you've been on my 9394 podcast. You know where I live. right about that wait so you guys are living you guys are living in a time that you wish you could be in but you're not there i mean yeah it's it's nostalgia and it's and it's it's also like a nostalgia for for a future it's what he's trying to create i think Mm -hmm. like he wants he wants to uh feel uh he wants to feel like he has a future like he did before. So he's he wants to be nostalgic for a future that he can't have and while he's living in the past. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds interesting. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's extending in both directions his nostalgia. So and you can see it with what he wants uh, you know, for uh Jing Wen, the hotel owner's daughter. Like he he really did want her to find love with the man, right? Which in Japan, that's, uh, that, my my note there, Leung can really emote. I mean, that whole when he's watching through the window, yeah, mwah, fantastic fucking acting, incredible. And and also another uh, a, another color scheme thing. Uh, when she hears the Japanese man's voice, she leans away from a a, a green reflected Christmas light in the window, mm-hmm. the wood, to the fire of the passion that she had for this man. Mm-hmm. As she's yelling at him, trying to hear over like whatever shitty overseas mm-hmm. uh, phone line, phone connection they had. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think, I think it's just pervasive. That's incredible. It's, yeah, it's almost like synesthesia or something. So there's this triptych in the movie that maybe you can explain to me: the black and white back seats of the cars, where first it's um, yeah. first it's you know Zhang Zhang Zi, and then it's um, the other woman, one of I forget her name again already, and then he's by himself. Um, so I guess we're learning here that like the love that's unrequited either direction. If you don't find a way to meet that, you're going to end up alone. Is that what? Is that what's happening here? Why is it black and white? Think? Uh, the I, I think that's also representative of him on the train to nowhere. So no. I think that's him passing up chances to to have another chance right? at love because he's so wrapped up in his past love. Mm. So uh, he he's just not willing to commit any any large part of himself to anyone anymore. And like I understand like feeling that hurt that like you can only give so much of yourself. Well, shit. At a certain time. I mean, so that I can really sympathize with, like the idea, like, but like, I, again, I didn't know that watching the movie, you know, that he, that, that, that that was what had damaged him and why he was unable to. Yeah. And I think you would miss it at the beginning because it's not really emphasized. I think he says something like, you know, uh, Suli Jen, love my life. Yeah. Well, she's gone now. Let's start this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He explains it, but I, I didn't realize the, uh, the importance of it. Yeah. Well, and there's and and he connects with all the women differently. So like he could be like flirty, or he can be collaborative, or he can be dependent. Like uh, there, uh, it's but it's always just a piece of himself. And like when it, whenever there, uh, whenever there's shots of him and the women he's with on screen, uh, like probably eight times out of ten, you don't see them both. Like they're cut apart from each mm-hmm. other. 
because I think that symbolizes that he's he's just not willing to give himself completely to anyone. And then you see the moments where he's happiest, like when he's uh, writing with Jing Wen or when he's uh, uh, out to eat with uh, Bai Ling, like, or when he's on the roof with uh, with the collaborating yeah. partner. Yeah, Jing Wen. Jing yeah. Wen. Okay. Yep. Well, I think that I can really appreciate the uh, the pain that is coming from all angles of the characters in this movie, and that's what that's one of the parts that I was into it when I understood the film as it was. You know, him being so that point he just made being so wrapped up in the pain of the past that he can't see a great new life ahead of him. Mm-hmm. It happens to so many people and cause people cannot, they, they get so stubborn about their own ways and they just, and they feel like their pain is the greatest pain that ever existed at times. And it's just no way I can get back from this. These absolutes start to roll in. And this character is of Chow is he is just riddled with absolutes. It's just, it's, it's tough to watch actually when I think about it now, like this guy's, could have a wonder he could have a whole new existence if he was really into love in the first place if he really loved the passion that he could share with another human being he had a wonderful opportunity to do so and that did not happen and that is really sad that that's that's tragic it is no yeah the main the the main theme to me of the movie seemed to be unrequited love which is a, a hard kind of thing to meditate in for a long period of time there's really only one requited love in the film that that is functional and good and a lot of it takes place off screen with letters and you know we we, we hear yeah. from the father that he's reconciled with his daughter and all that stuff so it's, so it's like uh the idea of of true of, of of functioning good love is like almost an impossibility in this film yeah but he's watching it happen right in front of him and he still <laughs> right. doesn't fucking get it like yeah, like she did go cold on him for a while too. The same way he was being cold to Bai Ling, and he had a chance to do what she did and live happily ever after, and he fucking rejected it, and she was devastated. And oh my god, that fucking scene kills me. This, is that the scene when? Uh, wait, which scene? When he when he gives her the money? When he fucking pays? Yeah, that's oh god. No, no, the the scene the scene at the very oh. end uh, where yeah, like. She's where they're at the restaurant. Oh, okay, and okay. She tries to give him the yeah. money, uh, to and then he gives it back to her. Is like, yeah, have fun in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like your, his last actual shot. He fucking blows it. I thought you were talking yeah. about in the be- the first time he gives her money when they have like this great connective night. Oh yeah, he yeah. Fucking pays her in, in the way that she's like, uh, turns a joke into it, but like you can see that she's like dying inside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brutal both times. <laughs> both That's times. amazing. There was money. I mean, he's at the casino so much. He must be really good at whatever games he plays. Yeah, he was bad. He had to have Suli Jen bail him yeah. out. Yeah. So you're right. He was bad. <laughs> what am I talking about? The, to me, these are this movie has a strength from the characters who are they're caught up in their own tunnel vision, their own immediacy, their own needs, their own egos. A lot of there's a lot of uh, egocentric behavior. Some more than others here, and it. I'd like to see that on film because that's what people do. They get caught up and they cannot see past themselves. And it's sad to see in real life. I've seen it. I've hell I've unrequited love. Who doesn't know about that? I mean, most people should have that experience. I would assume. And I, I would have, I had that in my life many times. And I, I thought that like, that was the way forward. And that's it. The fuck it. If not going to work out, then I'll just be a cold hearted bastard. And that's, that's a lesson as you get older, at least in my view, you know, 42 years old now, it's like, you, you just 
you just got to step back. You got to take a breath. You got to have some reflection, some introspection and realize that you just got really into it, but there's a whole world out there of people. That's how I see it. And I think the movie really, really does a great job, a wonderful job of expressing how that goes. This is how it goes, man. And I'll give the movie all the credit for that. I think it's a really unique film in that it's like a series of vignette that uh, series of vignettes that are centered around one dude, uh, which yeah. is cool and, and kind of unique, I guess. Um, Cause each in the way, a lot of it feels like it could be taken in separate parts, you know, but it's funny cause I, I watched the movie in you know, a different person, a, a different life, a different age. I'm 43. Uh, oh. To me, I watched the movie and I'm reminded of all the reasons why I, why I really have, disentangled myself from romantic engagements for the most part in my life. Like, look at all this fucking, look at all this shit. Look at all, look at all this shit I get to avoid. Uh, pretty much is, is what it might take away from the movie. <laughs> so you're on Tony Leung's side. I mean, with, <laughs> without the grabbing women part. <laughs> and also I'm not going to slut shame. Right. Which he totally does. Okay. I mean, like he, he's very he he's as much a prostitute as her. I swear. Yep. Um, I, yeah. I do love that. Nineteen sixties man. Turn. Gotta remember that. Yeah. Right. No, I never Shouldn't. Remember. That's also actually. I just thought of that. That that's apropos. I mean, maybe he's an extremist in that way, but it's still a period of time where free love, you know, even over there. No, sure. but there's also that. There's still a the lot more. Oh hell, I don't know what it's like in China. No See, idea. that's the thing. Like when you like gender roles, I don't, I don't know how much different it is there and stuff. There's a lot of things I don't understand about the culture because I just don't know it. And I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend or like sit or put on and project how things work in this country versus how it works in another country. So actually, that's something I would need to know too. I think because I was going to say it's the '60s. Like so yeah, that, that's that's the point. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things. I mean. I think film is great is a in, in like a window into other cultures and uh, I certainly got that with this movie. So do we have anything else to say or are we going to make our final thoughts here? Uh, just one more thing I thought of was uh, at the they play the song Perfidia twice and I think the first time uh, not familiar it's a real old song probably it would have been 20 years old, I think, before the when the movie set. So maybe like it came out in the 40s, 30s, something like that. There's uh, two versions, and both uh, lyrical versions like just completely apply to this movie. And uh, I was, I don't know, I was just wondering in my head which one it would be for both times it plays, and if it implies anything more. Like the first time I think it plays with uh, Suli Jen. Uh, on the screen so she would be the perfidious one and then the second time it's Tony Leung and it's it's almost like he's he's uh, spreading the perfidy around <laughs> like a fucking disease I, I went to the bathroom real quick while I watched this movie and I had headphones on so I really couldn't understand what was happening <laughs> if I walked away and didn't pause it so I paused it and then I came back out and hit play and then uh I was like, oh, Nat King Cole's on? Wow, okay, well, this is... <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. Yes, no, we'll take a look at just like him. You really do. There's a, quite a resemblance. Um, wow, that's interesting. That's cool. All right, well, 
with that, we like to make our rulings on 2046. And uh, usually the person who picks it goes first. So, Steve, we're going to turn to you. Uh, yeah, I obviously love it. it. It completely holds up for me. But in particular, because you wanted to pick this because you really... This is something I wanted to mention at the beginning of the show. Shit, I forgot to do that. But you really follow the letter of the law when it comes to what we were doing here in terms of picking a film that was important to you or, or like really impacted you in some way a long time ago and you hadn't seen it in a while, right? Yeah, so I love it even more because I've had, you know, more romantic relationships since then. And I, I get so much more out of it now. Like, I, I uh, you know, when I first watched it, it was probably, you know, when did it come out? 2004, yeah. so like probably 24. And like, you know, lived another 20 years since then. A lot of more, a lot of, a lot more romance. And uh, it just, it like I can I can empathize so much more with every person like I feel something every time there's someone on screen I know what I know what it's like to be like uh, I mean there's even that Lolita moment I remember chasing after older women who were just like hey little boy not wait until you can at least get into the fucking bar (laughs) Uh, and I remember uh, just crazy crazy heartbreaks where it seems like everything is going great like the all the all the uh i mean this movie has better teasing than i've seen in in movies in a long time like the way the the characters tease each other like uh romantically uh it's super fucking sexy i mean this movie's fucking horny yeah yeah (laughs) a lot a lot of foot shots (laughs) so tarantino Tarantino movie yeah there it is (laughs) yeah i mean but uh yeah just i i love this movie all right i watched it uh i watched it again today like right before we started oh no shit wow. yeah i love you well, thank a panamanian you. ship <laughs> <laughs> heroin frank <laughs> uh you want to go you want me to go i'll right. go i don't care go okay um I feel like I, I have to watch it again. I, I don't know if I could... I honestly feel like it's never been done before, and I, but it's my choice. I can do whatever the hell I want. But I honestly feel like I have to give it an incomplete right now. I really do. <laughs> I feel like I want to watch the other two movies oh, and then put it all together to give this thing an honest grade. And, and that would be the same thing I would do as a teacher. I'd, I would do the same to students. I wouldn't expect to... You're, there's not enough information here. Even if you, you... I could judge information in the movie. I could. I could judge what I saw. But I actually feel like I, I can't yet. I would rather go back and put the whole thing together and then give a final report. And I think that's what I'm going to do. I really am. I, I found it interesting, but I also said I was wildly lost. So I'm doing incomplete. I really am. All right. Well, I'm not going to do that. Well, I'm, uh, I'm excited to watch the other two again now. So. Uh, I will probably watch the other two and revisit this. Um. And I agree, like, I was lost for some of it. There's certainly things I did not appreciate what I was viewing, either because I had not seen the first two movies or because I didn't get the cultural reference or whatever. Um, I do think this is a really, um, like, this is this is artistry. This is a well-crafted movie. I can wholly, like, it did not... I can see why so many people are so passionate about this film. 
And when I watched the movie, I thought of a couple of people who I'm like, oh, I would certainly recommend this movie to Chad Gibbons, for instance, who, who of course, had already seen it. Uh, or, or to Steve, who, rec- you know, who recommended it for the show and is on the show at this moment. Hi, Steve. Um, so I could think, of, like, by no means would I be like, this was a shit movie. That's not what I thought. But I have to put myself in the good company of Ebes and Honeycutt. I, I found watching this pretty laborious. I, I, I repeatedly found myself pausing it and be like, how much do I got left to get through here? Um, it, it just, Uh-oh. it just, um, I, I could not, it didn't really draw me in except for, like I said, when, when Zhang Ji was on screen, I was, I was entranced. And whenever she left, I was like, okay, we can do this. Um, so I, I, I don't think that I quite, um, could appreciate what I viewed here. I'm not going to give it an incomplete. I will say it didn't hold up for me. But I will also say that, yeah, take that with a grain of salt. I will, I will revisit this in my life. Awesome. And and yeah, and also I'm glad that you chose it because we've been talking about, you know, as you said, or as I said, we've been need to do more international film on the show badly. So it was a really good choice. Uh, and I will agree that it, it can feel slow, but uh, I think that's kind of like the. Intention. Yeah, there's a lot of like longing and like looking at one another, and I just don't. I've never yeah. been someone who has a lot of patience for melodrama, so that's, <laughs> that's that's partly it's partly the genre, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Well said. I think everybody expressed themselves properly, and that's the show. We did it. Yeah. Look at us. Right. We're all grown up now, mommy. Wow. We we did. All it. right. Well. Thank you to Stephen. Thank you, yeah, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Um, thanks for having me on. This was great. This was a, yeah. This is a. Yeah, c- come back, <laughs> Archie's come back. Yeah, it was good to have you on, and we're gonna do another show right now after this. So, are you guys doing? Is it safe right after this? We're going right into it. Yeah, <laughs> so, fun. The doubleheader. Right. Yeah, well, we gotta we gotta squeeze it in when we can, you know. So that's why we appreciate Steve coming on today, and we're glad we got back on track here. We're two for two. We're trying to make a three for three next week. When I pick a movie, correct? You're, right. You're picking a movie right now. Yeah. Well, I I think I feel good about what it's going to be because I put it on a list. Good. I just wanted to double check and make sure that I knew what I was doing. But um, is it pretty got fingered? I wish. Yeah. I mean, I could just do that right now. I have Not the ability Eric. to do Not so. Eric. Not without Eric. Not without Eric. See, that's the point. So he has to be. Now there. It, okay. I mean, there you it used go. to be where we could have done it without him, but now it's like he said he'd do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. <clears throat> With that, we're going to go back to a movie that I've not seen in a long time, but it was one of those I watched like every day on HBO after high, you know, school. It was always on. Hell, it could have been on any channel. And I don't even know what year it came out. My 89, I can look it up, but I well, think tell it's... Us. You, have to, you, have to, you have to climb to the top of a mountain and then whisper it into a hole of it in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Well, no, it's a movie from 1989, and so we're going back to 89, but it's not a movie that was as popular. I mean, 89 is a big year for a lot of movies. It was a, if you take a look, there's a lot of movies that were very popular in America anyways. So. Batman. The year of Batman. I, I know. Batman. Yeah. Ghostbusters 2. Batman. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail. A lot of sequels too, I guess. But the answer is we're going to watch a little old movie about a teacher and what life is like on the wrong side of the tracks. We're going to do Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman. Wow. (laughs) 
I've not seen this movie in a really long time, and I used to watch it all the time, and I was like, oh, this movie is really educational. So who knows? I haven't seen this. This could be filled with like bullshit tropes galore now because it's very old. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I saw it when it was brand new. I don't think I've seen it since. I used to just watch it every day after school. I swear I watched this movie a billion times at home in Heartland Farting and eating. Is this the one with uh, Lou, Lou Diamond in it? Nope, I don't think so. I think that's Stand that- and Deliver. I always got the yeah. That's with the uh, Edward James almost. Yeah, I always got those two confused. All right. Yeah, this is the Morgan Freeman one, which was I think this actually may have been based on a true story, supposedly, but who knows? Either way, it's a uh, Morgan Freeman next week. Lean on me. Uh, Benson's in this. Robert Gilliam, by the way. So that's fun. We can do Benson. Benson references. I love Benson. I was more of a soap <laughs> fan than Benson, but still, I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Steve. It was fun. Everybody, send them an iPod at gmail.com. Send us an email. If uh, you know you listen to the show and you have opinions about it, send us an email. Send them an iPod at gmail.com. Let us know what's going on. And we'll see you next week for Lean on Me. Bazookas. <laughs>